Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. It's so good to see you. Thank you for being here. And, uh, We just wanted to take a couple of moments, not just to talk about Thanksgiving, not just to eat some delicious treats, but to actually understand the power of Thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving is an American holiday. I don't know too much about it. Some of the origins date back to the pilgrims who had this time of uh, joining together with the Native Americans And they celebrated together. They ate food. It's a time of reconciliation. It's a time of family. And it's also a time that they took a moment to say thank you to God. And the pilgrims took time to give praise and give glory to God for what he had provided for them. And I think that's a pretty good thing for us to do. Now, most of us would have a rough idea that Thanksgiving is a good thing. That appreciating each other, appreciating what we have is a good thing. I've rarely sat with people. I get the privilege of talking with people about a whole bunch of things and and pointing them to Jesus and praying with them. I have never had anyone say, Andrew, I'm struggling. I need to meet with you. I feel overappreciated and it's beginning to weigh me down. My life is just full of too much thanksgiving And I just wanted to take a moment just to talk with someone and get some perspective and some advice. Has anyone ever heard, you've, you've had a complaint, there is too much thanksgiving, there is too much appreciation. So we've got a rough idea what it's good. I want to take, just in the beginning, I want to give you four scriptures about why the Bible says it's a good idea and the spiritual power of thanksgiving to change our lives and the lives around us. Here's the first one. Overflowing with thanksgiving is a sign of spiritual maturity. Have a look at this scripture. It says, And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. So discipleship. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. So a question that you could ask yourself and you could check is, hey, if your desire is to be strong, to be spiritually mature, to be strong in the things of God, then what you are doing as as you mature, the product, the outcome of that, the way that you could check that is whether or not you're overflowing with thanksgiving or not. That's a good thing. The second thing is this, thankfulness is central to God's plan for defeating anxiety. Who knows that at different times, all of us struggle with anxiety. One in four Australians will suffer from chronic anxiety at one stage in their life. That's a lot. Okay, so we, we all have anxiety at different levels at different times in our life. And the Apostle Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests 
to God. So this thanksgiving is part of God's plan to defeat anxiety. Number three, words of thanksgiving are meant to replace and displace sin. Did you know this? That our mouths are supposed to be redeemed, that the words that come out of our words are not curses, they are not uh, gutter language, they are not to be obscene or sexually suggestive, but they are to be filled with thanksgiving. This is God's plan, that our language changes and that the sin of our words is replaced by the thanksgiving which gives glory to God. That's a powerful thing. I want to encourage you. There's some people specifically that that will encourage today. And the fourth is this. Thanksgiving is God's will for every person and is not circumstantial. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. A lot of the time people are praying, asking for what God's will is. What is God's plan for me? Well, yes, he does have a specific plan, but he's got a general plan that you would be thankful in all circumstances. All. What, on your good day, should I be thankful? Yes, I should. On my worst day, should I be thankful? Yes, I should. On my best day, should I be thankful? Yes, you should. This is God's will. If you want to know what God's will is for you, it's, are you walking in God's will? I know that this room is full of people who desire to walk in the will of God, and this is a big part of it. So there's one thing that thankfulness does. There's a lot of things that it does, but one thing that thankfulness does when it's released in a community, in a church like this, is it encourages. Who's received the power of the encouragement of thanksgiving? And I want to say why that is so important is because our world is discouraged. Never before has our world been as discouraged as it is now, and a discouraged world needs an encouraging church. And so that's who we are. That is our destiny. Because God's plan, God's will, not just for me, but for us, is to be thankful. Our community to be thankful. Here's some things that are really cool. Um, uh, modern psychology has researched Thanksgiving. And here's what it's proven. Thanksgiving is proven to increase levels of happiness and optimism to improve physical health. So if you are more thankful, you will, it is proven that you will have more sleep and that you will feel refreshed on waking. I reckon one of the worst, I remember a couple of times in my life, thank God not too often, but a couple of times I felt when I woke up that I had run a marathon. Like I started my day on empty. I know that some of you have experienced that. But Thanksgiving is part of helping feel more refreshed, making more of an effort to exercise. So all of these things can be tr traced back to a simple practice of thanksgiving. It motivates moral behavior. I'll talk about this in a minute. Why it actually will make you want to do good. It will be a positive force for doing good and increase self-worth. Who, who would be like, yes, I would like to have more self-worth, be happy, be happier, uh, have better physical health. I think we would all say that. You're making me work really hard for it. But yes, I think you all would. Yeah. Or, or maybe you wouldn't. Yes. Would you? Would you? Yeah. I'm confused. Would you? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I need to go back a step. Okay. 
So we know it's God's plan. We know it's in the word of God. We can see studies about it. So my question is, where are you at right now? Would people close to you describe you as a thankful person? Okay, if you're sitting next to someone that you live in the same house of, you can look at them, you can nudge them, you can ask them that question. Would people around you say, hey, I know them well and they're a thankful person? Okay, there's a few, there's a few smiles, a few, uh, yeah. And it's important for us to establish our starting point. Now, one thing that's, that it is important to know is different people have different wiring. So some people, usually who are more extroverted, more people orientated, will have within them a need for more appreciation. All right, so this is pretty much, it's a generalization. But if you are people orientated, you will more likely need others to appreciate you. If you are task orientated, you probably won't need as much. And you probably won't think as much about giving thanksgiving. So this is uh, really important. So for you right now, if those that are here in this room, those that are listening in podcasts, what is your starting point? Would you describe yourself as thankful, as a person who gives thanks? Would you say, yes, I've got positive momentum, or this is something I need to learn a little bit more, or I could go further. This is really important. Real quick, I want to give you three things that stop us from being thankful. Three things. And the first one is thoughtlessness. Thoughtlessness is the enemy of thanksgiving. I think most people don't deliberately decide to be ungrateful or unthankful. Most people. Usually, we're just caught up in our own stuff, right? We're just, we've got our phones. Can I borrow this phone, young lady? We've got our phones, and who knows, phones, this, this phone, it's only got one camera, actually two cameras. One on the outside, one on the inside. The inside one is what we call a selfie cam, all right? For most of us, most of the time, our phone is stuck on selfie. We are just dealing with our own stuff, right? And so it's not always natural that we're turning outwards and seeing the things that are around us. We have a natural predisposition to think about what's going on in our own life and to not think about the world around us. And so most of the time, it's thoughtlessness. And sometimes it's easy for us to judge other people's intentions, but most of the time they're just being thoughtful, thoughtless. So that reply that you never got, that credit that you didn't get, those people, most of the time, they were not intentionally doing that. They were just caught up with other stuff that was going on in their life. And so thoughtlessness is that the centre of, uh, is an enemy of thanksgiving. Who knows that the busier that you get, usually the less thankful you become. Who's recognised that? If I get busy, I get caught up more in my own stuff. My camera is stuck on selfie and I forget because of the pace of my life to turn outwards and to thank and appreciate the people around me. 
So that's the first thing, thoughtlessness. That's the first thing that stops us from being thankful. The second is this, I don't want them to get the wrong idea. And this is deliberate, where you see something that you should be thankful for, but you don't want the person to get the wrong idea because there's other things in your opinion that they're not doing well. So I'm like, oh, I could say thankful, thank you to this, but that might give them, them the impression that I like them and I really don't. Or I think that they're doing a good job because I don't. And I don't want them to get the wrong idea. Okay, honesty check. You don't have to put your, your hands up for this one. I think we've all been there. You don't like them. You don't want to thank them here because you're frustrated in another area over here. You don't want to thank them here because you've got a list of all the other things that they need to change in other areas. And you would say, okay, yes, I recognize this is good, but on balance, they're pretty bad. And so what happens unknowingly is that we put ourselves in a position of judgment over them. We get our robes, we get our wig, we get our gavel, we climb up onto the bench and we put ourselves in a position of authority to go through their life all in split seconds and say, I'm going to withhold thankfulness and appreciation because in my assessment, in my judgment, I'm making a judgment, you don't deserve it. This is what happens. This is what stops us sometimes from being thankful. And the third is this, that sometimes we're not thankful because we prefer comparison. I would prefer to focus not what I do have, but what I don't have. And comparison is a trap. Comparison affects all of us in different ways. We have lots of things in our world, actually our marketing system, our advertising system feeds on comparison. It feeds on constantly giving us things and presenting ideas and things and experiences and possessions and houses that we don't have that we want. And it's a barrier from us being present. It's a barrier from us being thankful. It's a barrier from us appreciating those around us. I love this quote from uh, Craig Rochelle. He says, the greatest, that, sorry, the easiest way to kill something is to compare it to something else. And so sometimes we would choose not to be thankful for what we do have, but rather to spend that energy thinking about what we don't have. And it will limit us in so many ways. Today, we're going to look at a story of healing of Jesus a, uh, a miracle that Jesus did. And this story is unique because it mainly focuses on the reaction to the healing, not the healing itself. And it's from Luke 17. You can, it'll be up on the screen. You can lead, read in your Bible as well. Luke 17, 11, uh, and uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, And as Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now we know 
that the, uh, those with leprosy, they were broken people. They were literally rotting away. Their bodies were literally rotting away. So they experienced uh, paralysis, crippling of their body. They had the shortening of toes and fingers due to reabsorption. They had chronic non-healing ulcers at the bottom of their, their feet. They would lose eyesight. They would lose eyebrows. Their nose would be disfigured. They would have painful or tender nerves. And then they would, lose, they would completely lose feeling and the ability to sense pain. And sometimes that would mean they would burn themselves without realizing. Terrible, terrible. So they were broken people. They were outcasts. And what they were required to do was to put their brokenness on display. Now, according to Jewish law that went all the way back to Moses, they would have to keep their head uncovered, their face uncovered, and they would have to declare and proclaim how broken they were. So there was no dignity. They couldn't hide. They couldn't put the hoodie on. They couldn't put the beanie on or the hat. All right, beanies were off, hats were off, hoods were off. They couldn't cover the disfiguration of their faces. They weren't allowed to have garments that they had to tear their garments. They couldn't have nice clothes. They were required to tear their garments and so they were required to put their brokenness on display. And who knows that having a condition is one thing, but not being able to have dignity is another. This is a very, very horrible situation. And so Jesus sees them and he looks at them and he says, he doesn't say be healed. He just says, go show yourselves to the priests. What does that mean? That was the requirement if you had been healed of a skin condition, that was the requirement that you would go and as re-entering society, you would go and they would inspect you, all right, to see that you were healed. Now, at the time that he said, go show themselves to the priest, they weren't healed, all right, so they had no reason to do that. Now, here's what's amazing, is that all 10 of them obeyed this command that required faith. So, all 10 of them said, okay, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not there's nothing that's changed, but they, 10 people stepped out in faith, and as they did, they were cleansed. And it was like 10 new births. Can you imagine that as they began that journey, their eyebrows came back, their, their faces stopped being disfigured, their limbs were restored. It was an amazing, amazing scene. And here's where we get to the response in verse 15. So it says, uh, as they went, they were cleansed. So as they walked, they were cleansed. In verse 15, it says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. Now, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? 
Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. And there's significance in those words. We're going to talk about the two words that we use a little bit later, to be cleansed and to be healed. But the first thing that I want to say is that thanksgiving is a rare quality. Back in that day, market research was done and the market research proved that only one in 10 lepers came back. So it's a rare quality. And why didn't the others give thanks to Jesus? We don't know. Maybe they were just thoughtless. Maybe they were busy putting their lives together because they had been excluded. Maybe they wanted to see their family. Maybe they were thinking about restarting their careers, getting a place to live, getting employment, putting their lives back together, all kinds of reasons. We don't know. But here's the key thing, is that nine of them did not acknowledge that their healing, their cleansing was due to the goodness of God. They didn't acknowledge it. Do you know what happens when we are thankful and why it changes us and why thoughtlessness is such a big thing? Is when I am take a moment and have a conscious thought about appreciating, thanking God, I realize that the good things in my life are not of my own doing. When I got my head down, when I got my phone stuck on selfie, I'm just self-absorbed, I'm consumed, I'm just doing my thing, I'm going through the motions of life. When I turn outward, when I recognize, when I thank God, I realize that my life is a product of the goodness of God. And I realize that my life is a gift. And I realize if that my life is a gift, I, I haven't earned it, I don't deserve it. It does something in me. It produces life-giving because if I realize my life is a gift, then I want to give glory to God and I want to use my life to bless other people. This is why it motivates us to kindness. It motivates us to generosity. So for those that need a good reason to be thankful, it's because it's going to change you. It's going to change the world around you. Likewise, when you take a moment and when I say, Dave, I'm so grateful for you. You are such a blessing. You are an encouragement. Okay, I love the way that you love the people of this church and particularly the men of this church. I love the investment that you make in him. What I've just done within myself is I've realized that what is going on is far bigger than me. And when I thank God, I realize that goodness comes from God. And when I thank someone else, I realize that they can contribute to the goodness around them. And when Dave receives that, which some of you, you're not always great at receiving Thanksgiving. It's okay. It's okay to receive it. Let it encourage you. Don't let it get to your head. But when you receive that, that becomes fuel, that becomes energy. And you think, I am making a difference in somebody's life, which you are. 
And for us as human beings, we are orientated to live with purpose, to live our lives, to to make a difference on this planet, not just to go through the motions. And so see how this practice of thanksgiving is so life-giving. Life is a gift to me. I want to give that gift of life to others. Life is a gift from God. When I'm thankful to God, when I give glory to God, I have the power and the permission to take my eyes off two things, my provision and my problems. And I can fully put my perspective on my provider. And I can see God as he really is. Which leads to my second point. Thanksgiving brings us into the presence of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Thanksgiving brings us into the presence of Jesus. In this story, there is... There are 10 people that encountered Jesus from afar. They were yelling, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. Only the one that was thankful came to the feet of Jesus and experienced Jesus. And that's what Thanksgiving does. Thanksgiving brings us closer Thanksgiving allows proximity, and proximity requires humility. When we allow ourselves, in the way that we thank others, to be humble, what we do, we take off the wig, we put down the robes, we put down the gavel, we climb down from the bench, and we become close to people. And we say, hey, I appreciate you for who you are. I see you for who you are. And that requires humility because we've got to suspend judgment. We've got to focus on others, not ourselves. And we've got to come close to people. The power of this is that Jesus did this first. Jesus took off the robes of heaven. He put down his authority to judge and he said, let me walk with you. Let me live like you to come close to you. So Jesus models this and he invites us to do the same. This is what Jesus did. He saw the value in them. He saw that they had worth. Despite the fact that they were disheveled, their bodies were broken They were literally falling apart. He said, I see new life potential in you. He didn't judge them. He didn't say, hey, let's do a stock take of your life. How do you think that your own sin has contributed to where you are? He didn't do that. He didn't judge them. They asked for mercy and he gave it graciously. It's the same for us. We're invited to stop judging everyone in the world around us. Who knows the world doesn't need more fault finders. The world doesn't need more people who can find fault and wrong in others. Here's what I want to say. Thanksgiving is easy but costly. It's easy but costly. Here is the cost. The first cost is this. 
We've got to humble ourselves. We've got to think about others. We've got to put down the gavel. We've got to stop judging. Easy but costly. We've got to interrupt our schedule. We've got to make space and make room to appreciate those around us. The last point before we talk about how we're going to apply this is a powerful one. Thanksgiving makes us whole because of what it does to our soul. There were nine that were healed, but only one made whole. There's a difference in these words. Verse 14, the word cleansed. It means a purifying by God. The second is this. Verse 19, they were completely healed. They were saved. The word sozo. There was a total restoration, a renewal. You know, sometimes that we can be happy that God fixes our problem without actually connecting to the provider. Sometimes we can just be thankful for an answer to prayer without being thankful to God, to the provider. We can be thankful for provision and not thankful for provider. And what God wants to do within us is to allow us to see Jesus, allow us to connect with him, allow us to see the provider, not just the provision. Would you settle just for an answer to prayer or do you want an encounter with Jesus? Would you settle for the problems that you have, whether they be financial, whether they be relational? Would you be okay if things were fixed? Like, is your idea of what success looks like is that things go smoothly for you? Or do you want an encounter with the risen King Jesus? And it's only in that encounter that not just our bodies will be healed, not just our circumstances would be changed, but that we would be changed and that we would be made whole from the inside out. And without thankfulness, without praise, without connecting what God has done to him personally, we will always just be on the outer, just happy with answered prayer, without a growing knowledge of Jesus Christ. Three things. That God wants us to acknowledge that his goodness is at the center of our provision. The second one is that thanksgiving will bring us into the presence of Jesus. And the third is that it's only through thanksgiving can we be made whole. I'm going to invite uh, Naomi back on the keyboard to do that song, Goodness of God, just to play that at this stage. There's three ways that I want to encourage you to respond. In a moment, we're going to take communion. That's one of the ways. But before we do that, I'm inviting you, using these journals, into a thankfulness challenge. Do you know that gratitude or thankfulness, it's an emotion, but unlike other emotions, you can only tap into it by being conscious. Does that make sense? You, you have to make space 
And so we talked about all these health benefits from the practice of thanksgiving. Research has been done. These journals, they have a model of prayer that starts with praise and thanksgiving. And what I'm inviting you to do every day until Christmas is to take, start your day with writing five things that you are thankful for. Do you know that the researchers said that if you do this for a month, you will see the benefits for at least six months afterwards? It's a thing. That's what I'm saying. Who could do that? Who could do that? Who could say, hey, today I'm going to commit to starting each day by writing five things that I'm thankful for. I reckon that could take probably two minutes. I don't think that there's anyone in this uh, room that couldn't do that. I know we've got some uh, young parents. We've got some people with very, very busy work schedules. But I reckon that all of us could start. I want you to take one of these journals if you don't have it. I prefer paper for some of these things because of the limited distraction factor of everything else that's on my phone. But start each day by thanking God. Five things. Anything that you like. If you want a bonus level challenge, don't repeat the five things. I heard a story this week of a teenage girl. She wrote a hundred things that she was thankful for, for a whole year, every day. And she did not repeat those things. There is way more to be thankful for than you realize. Right now you're like, I think I'm good for the first two days, but then after that, well, you can text me, say, hey, Andrew, got any ideas? Okay, we, we could just say, oh, this has been a great message. Let's just go into our weeks. But I think we want to release transformation. And a way to do that is being conscious. That's the first thing. The second thing, I'm going to put some commitments that we can give to each other around Thanksgiving up on the screen. Four commitments we can give. First one is this, I will not withhold thankfulness because of judgment. There are people in your life that need to be thanked and you are frustrated with them and you are withholding that. The first person that is hurting is you. The second person that is hurting is them. So here's a commitment. The second is, I will see past your faults. The third is, I will see you for who you are. And the fourth is that I will honour the good in you. This is a powerful thought. Thanksgiving motivates us to do good. It's a cycle. It's a glorious and gracious cycle that we need to start. You know, like those old cars. I never had one, but you know, I was watching a movie. The crank start. I won't name names as a joke of people who might be able to know what that was like, John. But um, I wouldn't do that. I'm focused. Four commitments. Could you do this? Some people, this is like, this is really like valid for you. This is so valid for you. God's speaking to you. The, 
the presence of the Holy Spirit is here. I'm not going to withhold thankfulness because of judgment. I'm going to see past your faults. I will see you for who you are and I will honour the good in you. Why? Because this is what Jesus has done to us. That's the big reason. He has not withheld His love or His grace because of who you are or what you've done. And He invites us to do the same. He sees past our faults. He honours the good in us, the good that He has placed there. And He sees us for who who we are. It's because of Jesus. Under your seat, we're going to take communion together. Communion is a time of thanksgiving. And you'll see if you've never seen these before, there's a little, uh, there's two layers. So we'll just allow the crinkliness factor to get done and then we'll take a moment. take that now that you've opened it what I want us to do is I want you to take a moment and to think of something very specific that you're thankful to Jesus for maybe it was a specific uh, situation or scenario that you could see the hand of God Maybe it's for a specific thing that He has restored in you or is restoring you. Something that was lost that has been found in Jesus. Be very specific. Take a moment. We never want to go through the motions in a time like this. We never just want to get through to the next thing. We're almost done for the day. Take a moment. And with all your heart, Thank Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm so grateful. And then tell him why. So just quietly. Just speak that out. Say, just really softly, but verbally, just say, Jesus, I'm thankful for. Jesus, we come to you in humility. We fall at your feet. We thank you for what you've done for us. But beyond that, Lord, we want to know you. We want to be in your presence. We're not just satisfied with answered prayers, answered problems, change in circumstance. We want to encounter you. And so, Lord, we take these emblems, this bread wafer representing your body that was broken. We take that now in faith, thanking you. Why don't you do that right now? Take that emblem with a heart full of thanksgiving.
let's take this cup together. Thanking God for the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. God, I thank you that I can be close to you because of what you did. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.